Welcome to episode one of the ArcEd podcast. I'm James Benedict Brown, and I'm sitting on a folding camp chair on a beach on the North Norfolk coast. It's just after New Year, 2015. It is a beautiful, cold, clear day. I'm sitting under a beautiful blue sky. Just ahead of me, a plane is uh, leaving a contrail across the sky. On the horizon, I can just see the offshore wind farm. You can hear in the background the surf crashing on the shingle. This is a new venture, appropriate for a new year, appropriate for me to come here, somewhere I always visit at this time of year, to reflect on the year gone by and what's going to be happening in the year ahead. That said, this episode is going to be slightly unusual because you're only going to hear one voice. You're only going to hear from me. It's not a habit I'm going to keep up. This podcast is going to be a space for discussion and debate about architectural education. It will not be that if it's only me talking. So you can look forward to a number of other voices joining the conversation in due course. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So this short episode is going to answer two questions that you are probably asking yourself right now. Why a podcast about architectural education and why should you be listening to me talking about architectural education? Let me answer that first question. Last year I wrote a chapter in a book called Radical Pedagogies edited by Harriet Harris and Daisy Frude and it'll be out in May uh, with Reaper Publishing. And in that chapter, I struck upon an analogy, which I like to call the inverse duck scenario. Everyone knows the metaphor of a duck in a stream. Everything is calm above the surface, and yet it's paddling like crazy beneath the surface to try and just stay still. I've come to think that architectural education might be like an inverse duck, in that there's all this paddling and panicking and waving around above the surface, and then there's not much happening beneath the surface not much is changing. We're carrying on just as we always have, but maintaining that there is some kind of crisis that we have to respond to. But there are some striking facts that I've sort of come to think about in the last year or two, which suggest to me it's time to open up a conversation about our discipline. A couple of disconnected thoughts for you. A few years ago, a practice called ZAP Architecture made an installation in the RIBA called the Pavilion of Protest, And it was around about then that the architectural profession really began to talk and think about a startling fact, which is that under the new uh, domestic higher education university fee regime of this country, a student of architecture who starts their studies today can realistically expect to graduate with student debt in excess of £100,000, which is just crazy. And from the perspective of the profession is a liability because it's extremely unlikely that those students will ever earn enough money to pay that back. Now right now there are about 15,000 students of architecture, there are approaching 50 validated schools of architecture in the UK. There are some new schools, Norwich University of the Arts is about to graduate its first students this summer. Reading University is about to start a new course in architecture. And against this background of not only growth in terms of the number of students and the number of institutions and the uncertainty around higher education funding, within the discipline there are some big changes coming. One of which 
is to do with the European Union's Professional Qualifications Directive, which I won't bore you with, but to say that a number of revisions were made last year, which will directly affect the way that we teach architecture in this country. The RIBA are about to conclude a review of architectural education, and the signs are, and we'll look into this in a future episode, that architectural education is going to be moving away from three discrete qualifications and is likely to be restructured around an integrated award without a separate access to market qualification, which is the part three. So that's coming. Also, just before Christmas, the results of the REF were announced. Now, for many schools of architecture, this is a big deal because universities really value research and they really value the money that comes in with research. Now, for some schools, this has been a successful exercise and architecture is proving itself as an extremely valuable discipline for a university to possess. For other institutions, the outcome may have been different. And we're going to be looking at that closely in a future episode, not that long from now. So there's increasing hubbub and conversation around architectural education. And this is evidenced in turn by the emergence of two new organisations, which I've been very privileged to have some involvement with. Firstly, from the point of view of students, after many years of our chaos, not really uh, sustaining itself, a new national student body called the Architecture Students Network has emerged. And I've been to a couple of their meetings and I was invited to talk to them at the University of Kent just before Christmas. And while it is a small organisation and while participation nationally is slow, it is growing. And there is a sense that there's a really interesting movement here with students really engaging with the national scene in architectural education. Now, from my perspective now as an academic, there's another very interesting organisation called the Association of Architectural Educators. Now, I've been involved in that association since it started, and I'm currently the series editor of its journal, along with the editor, Ruth Morrow. And that organisation has now hosted two international conferences at Nottingham Trent University in 2013 and the University of Sheffield in 2014. So from the perspective of both students and academics, there's a lot going on. There's a a conversation which is happening. And my intention is that the ARCED podcast is going to complement those activities and those networks. It's going to sort of exist as a third space beyond student networks, professional bodies, beyond academic journals, for all of us, educators and students, to talk about architectural education. The purpose of the podcast is to open up these conversations, to make them accessible. It's going to be a place for informed, honest, hopefully critical and accessible discussion about architectural education today. So the second big question I feel I need to answer is, why should you be listening to a podcast that I'm making? I don't take it for granted. And I think in the spirit of the transparency that I would like this podcast to exist in, I should talk a little bit about that. Now, if you're one of my early adopters and early listeners, and I thank you for that, you probably know me personally. I studied architecture, and as a student, I was profoundly interested by the way that the design studio operates and by the way in which architectural education is this perfect opportunity for students to come to terms with 
the extremely complex processes that are involved in designing spaces and structures for human occupation. I was very privileged to be taught by a number of very influential teachers who were very engaged in the pedagogy of architecture. You're going to be hearing from them in future episodes, but it was their critical engagement that really um, stuck with me, pushing us as students to ask ourselves what we were learning and why it was relevant. A lot of blocks really began to fall into place for me when, as a taught postgraduate student, I discovered the writings around critical pedagogy and the notion that students and teachers enter the learning process uh, together as equals and that they begin a journey of learning together rather than diametric opposites transferring knowledge from one to the other, which is a powerful idea, but one that is problematic in architectural education because, of course, students who graduate from the discipline have to be able to demonstrate skills and knowledge that are relevant to the art of making buildings. Now as a student I joined the RIBA validation board as a volunteer and as a student member I participated in a handful of validation board visits which was really interesting. And after graduating I found myself writing a PhD about architectural education, specifically live projects. And as part of that, I conducted a number of interviews um, at about 16 schools of architecture in the UK and Ireland. And I travelled up and down the country and I spoke to a number of educators about their perspectives on not only live projects, but also architectural education, higher education in general and research. In fact, the idea of doing a podcast about architectural education and having these conversations really isn't new in preparing this I remembered that in 2008 I actually registered a website called Conversations in Architectural Education. The idea was, uh, interestingly enough, before the PhD, to conduct interviews with architectural educators to talk about the discipline and talk about what we do and why we do it. I got into podcasting around about then in 2006, 2007, Having graduated from my first degree, I moved to Northern Ireland for a year and then to Canada. And in that time, I spent quite a lot of time traveling and I had my first iPod and I listened to podcasts. And I initially thought that this was a format very similar to spoken word broadcasting and talk radio. But through those early discoveries, I found it's actually something very different. One particular podcast called Letter to America by the American TV producer and photographer Jet Lowe really caught my eye. It was irreverent, playful, willful, and it surprised me because podcast to podcast episode, it could ultimately be anything it wanted it to be. There were some recurring features like a radio show, but basically no two episodes were alike, and listeners were sucked into a parallel universe where they were never quite sure of what they were listening to. That inspired me because it made me realise that podcasting is a format that you can experiment with. And while I don't expect to do anything radical or avant-garde with this podcast, I am really excited by this medium because it gives you, the listener, and it gives me, the producer, the opportunity to experiment with what we listen to and what we talk about. And we're not constrained by format. We're not constrained by the same 28-minute slot on a radio station. 
Now, I made my own podcast in 2007. It was called the On The Road Podcast. And mercifully, it's no longer available on iTunes. But it taught me a lot about scripting, about recording on location, editing, producing a podcast. But since it made no economic sense, and the more people who listened to the show meant the more I had to pay to host it, I kind of let it fall by the wayside. And because of that, conversations in architectural education, that first idea of a podcast never really got off the ground. But in the last six months, there seems to be something going on in podcasting. The techniques and the format of podcasts hasn't really changed in the eight or nine years that they've existed. But interestingly, the the Web 2.0 revolution in which we're all socially engaged with the Internet and as consumers, we're all actively tweeting and liking and sharing the things that we find and prioritizing that information and sort of sorting the Internet based on our very specific set of preferences. That's kind of swept by and it hasn't really affected podcasts. They haven't changed that much. iTunes makes it a lot easier to find podcasts and most smartphones now have a podcast app so it's much easier to listen to them. But it is basically the same medium. But that's not to say it's going to stay that way. There are some really significant new shows, some which have sort of re-enlivened the medium. Um, A show called Serial, uh, which is a long-form investigative show exploring a crime committed 15 years ago, made by a public radio station in Chicago, has had a phenomenal listenership and has become the same sort of water-cooler discussion point that box set TV appeared to have becoming in the last few years. But more interestingly for me right now is a podcast called Startup. Uh, it's a really fascinating show made by Alex Bloomberg, who used to work on This American Life and Planet Money on American Public Radio. Bloomberg is passionate about spoken word radio and podcasting, but he's also really fascinated by the idea of making podcasting work financially, but also bringing it into the the new era of internet engagement that's to say to borrow one of his examples if you were listening to a podcast and i was interviewing someone right now that you found really interesting at a precise moment something was said and you wanted to share that with either your friends or someone in particular there's no actual way of sharing that moment in a podcast you can say you should listen to the arcade podcast here's a website here's a twitter handle but actually podcasts themselves remain relatively discreet objects from within which it is quite difficult to extract particular content. Podcasting, unlike radio, can give you a lot of freedom, but it can also give you a lot more transparency. So why should you listen to my podcast? Why should you spare 30 minutes of your commute to listen to me and to my guests talking about architectural education? Well, the last six months have given me a lot of time to reflect on the way that I teach, and what it is I want to be doing in architectural education. In the summer of 2014, I left a really great job with a really great salary and really great prospects. I did it for many reasons, but fundamentally it came down to happiness. I wasn't happy and I needed to make a change. Today I teach a few days a week at two different universities. And again, you'll be hearing a bit more about that in coming episodes. I've been using the remaining time to write, And I also now produce an arts and culture magazine show on Future Radio, um, a community station on FM in Norwich and online. And I've had a lot of time to reflect on what it is I want to be doing. 
and if you'll forgive my immodesty, what I think I'm good at. Now, I don't normally go for motivational paperbacks, but there is one that has really struck me in the last few months. David Hyatt's book, Do Purpose, Why Brands with a Purpose Do Better and Matter More, has a handy Venn diagram exercise to help you work out what you want to be doing with your life. Imagine three circles. And in the first cycle, you write down what you love doing. Now, in the second circle, you write down your skills. And in the third one, you write down what the zeitgeist is. Not what is fashionable, but what the bigger sense of movement is. What is the direction of travel? What is going on? And where those three circles intersect, that's where you should be working. That's where you get the most reward. That's where you're going to be able to start the best business and where you will probably feel the most alive. So at the start of a new year, with a crisp wind blowing in off the North Sea, here's my rationale for starting the Arcade podcast. First of all, the first circle, my loves. Well, having travelled this country to visit schools of architecture for RIBA validation or to research my PhD, and having spoken to lots of different architectural educators... I can tell you wholeheartedly that I love talking to people about architectural education. It sounds really simple, but when I realised that, I realised I was on the way to putting my finger on what it is I actually want to be doing. I enjoy conferences, symposia, and the debates where we bring people together to talk about architectural education. And I would love to do something that can complement that, something that can keep those conversations going. As an aside, I also really love travelling places to have those conversations having lived in North America for a while and now my wife is American and we travel there fairly regularly I've come to realise that the UK is a much smaller place than most people seem to believe and it's really not that expensive or difficult to get out and about to meet people so I hope through this podcast you're going to be hearing me travel around the country to talk to some of my guests okay so that's the first circle that's what I love doing my skills Again, you're going to have to allow me some immodesty here. I'm a teacher, I'm a researcher, I'm an interviewer, and I'd like to think I'm a half-decent coordinator. I've worked as a series editor on an academic journal, and that's been really rewarding. And I'm putting together an hour-long arts and culture show every week for Future Radio in Norwich. Both of those jobs involve talking to lots of different contributors, working out the best balance for content, and basically keeping a lot of balls in the air all at once. I find that rewarding. So the final circle, the third circle, the zeitgeist. As I said earlier, I think my metaphor about the inverted duck might be proven wrong. With every passing week, it's more and more apparent that higher education funding in the UK is simply unsustainable and something's got to give. And this is a general election year. So if nothing else, we can at least hope and pray that there is going to be some wider debate about how education is funded in the United Kingdom. Second, the European Union and the Professional Qualifications Directive. It's forcing the hand of academia and the profession to reassess how we structure and validate architectural education. And we have to do this because it is simply crazy that students from different parts of the European Union can study in different regions for different lengths of time and still be able to travel and have the same status as an architect. So that's the zeitgeist. I think things are changing, 
and I think this is a really great time to open up a conversation about architectural education. The discipline is always enriched by the flow of ideas, discourse and debate, and there's no reason that should just happen through academic conferences and journals and conversations in the corridor outside the staff room. I think there's a really great opportunity here for us to have a conversation on a wider and more open level. Students have the ASN, educators have the AAE, and you're going to be hearing from representatives of both of those organisations in the coming weeks. So the ARCED podcast can complement those activities going beyond the existing student networks and professional bodies and journals for us to talk about architectural education. The purpose is to open up and make those conversations more accessible. A place for informed, honest, critical, maybe informal discussion about architectural education today. You'll hear from students, you will hear from educators, and you will hear from senior management and heads of schools. That is what the ARCED podcast is about, and I hope I've encouraged you to come back, to subscribe, and to join me as this conversation is shaped over the coming weeks and months. You can find out more about the ARCED podcast on the website, arcedpodcast.com, and you can follow the show on Twitter, at ARCED Podcast. You can now subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for the ARCED Podcast, and remember to rate the show on iTunes. It really helps new listeners find us amongst all the podcasts about arches and archery. The title music is by Magic Panda. Check him out at soundcloud.com forward slash magic panda. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you soon.